ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm your host for the very first time on the main feed. I'm Ryan Gallagher. How are you all doing? Today, as part of our feature show schedule, me and my panel will be looking back at the greatest partnership in the history of WWE. Yes, that's right. The Hardy, but wait, it's, it's not the Hardys. What the fuck is it then? <laughs> Smack, Smackdown on Fox. Ah, for right. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Right, I'll deal with that then. Yes, it's the one-year anniversary of the partnership between WWE's Friday Night Smackdown and the Fox Network. Now, before I introduce the panel, um, I'll give you the kind of usual bits of housekeeping. You can find us on all good podcasting sites by searching Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, but you've done that anyway because you're listening to us. But we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we'll be there. Um, you can find an extensive back catalogue as well. Uh, social media. We're simply at Suplex Retweet on all sites. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So get us on that. Join the conversation. Ross live tweets quite a lot. Whether it's good or no, you make your mind up for that. So <laughs> now, usually the intros on these shows are a bit harsh. To be, we criticise every small detail of our fellow panel. Um, you know, but this man sheer existence is heartbreaking enough. So I'll go a little bit easy on him. It's Ross McLeod. How you doing, Ross? I've not been invited on your Celtic Daz podcast. Hey, listen, mate, you would not fit in on my Celtic Daz podcast. I know, I mean, I've showered today, so I mean. (laughs) (laughs) And and I have not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And next up, we're going light today, so there's only three of us, but when it comes to known facts and figures about wrestling, there's nobody better than this man. He knows everything there is to know about wrestling, past and present. The only downside to that is it makes him very, very dull to speak to. It's Dave Faulkner. How you doing, Dave? I, as, as one of the few people who can actually project and carry their voice and cut a passionate promo, I think I'm the exact opposite of dull, even when I'm quoting uh, facts and statistics. <laughs> well, I you impressed me last week, Dave. I was well impressed that you quoted, was it a pay-per-view for 2006? I really hope you went back and watched Armageddon 2006, just so that my point was proven. <laughs> No, I mean, I, d- I didn't need it because as soon as you said that, I was like, he's actually spot on. I do remember that now. But <laughs> you know, I think, I, think, I think the whole world could do with some more fact checkers. So I think, you know, there was no harm in you double checking what I'd said. And I've got three three th- intros here, boys, um, because we were expecting our Lord and Saviour, Stevie Wilson, to be with us, but he decided not to. Good thing he's not because I was going to slate his wedding and say it was going to turn into one big massive spare change in the tin event to take his bird off him. By who? Doesn't matter, the list is never ending. But he's not here, so I can't slag him properly anyway, so whatever. So, as I said then, boys, we're going to look back at the, the past year in this partnership between SmackDown and Fox. I've decided we'll do it a little bit different this show. We'll dis- discuss some of the kind of positive and the negative stories which have been raised by some different media outlets talking about SmackDown for the last year, because obviously this partnership turned one last week as well. So... There's been a few articles put out that spoke about the pros and cons. I'm going to pose these things to you um, and we'll kind of put our own spin on it and we'll decide at the end of the show if it's a partnership or a partnership. So that's how we're going to do it. That's right. So we can decide at the end how, how we want to do it. So first of all, lads, what do you know 
about Fox? Like, Dave, what do you know about the, the Fox network in general? Well, as somebody who's been over to visit America for a couple of times in the last maybe six or seven years, I have noticed that Fox is a very somewhat controversial network, particularly Fox News. Like, you know, people have called it out before saying it's purely right-wing propaganda. They're basically just all about supporting the Republican Party, which I understand there's no harm in you know, supporting a, one particular party over another. But, like, usually in recent times, there have been, like, critiques saying, like, their evidence is baseless. A lot of it is just uh, opinion shows rather than factual news programs. So, yeah, basically Fox has been painted in quite a negative light, at least from a, a news perspective, but they do have quite a thriving sports channel at the same time, which is viewed by tens of millions of Americans uh, in the country. Ross, it was, uh, it was set up, Fox News, um, by one Rupert Murdoch. Um, for people who um, are not aware of Rupert Murdoch, go and Google him. He's, I'll say it, he's a bit of an arsehole across here. He's, he's an arsehole for a lot of reasons for kind of media publications. Is, is it the sun that he's in charge of? Is it News of the World? It's one of them two, and it? It's one of the, the, the shadows uh, ones. Uh, it, was, it was News of the World, I think, and that's, uh, I think the last issue came out in 2012 or 2013. Yeah, so he's, like we say, he's a bit of a, a, bit of a knob. There's actually a film about him as well um, with the whole Fox News stuff. Fox itself, the TV show, Ross, or the TV channel um it's famous for a lot of things like family guy and american dad and all these kind mm -hmm. of things it it's only things at 10 o'clock at night it goes regional to certain places and they get local local shows across the country so it's quite big for smackdown to get on this as the kind of last show before everything goes kind of regional at that point i'm assuming you don't know much about fox itself as a as a company do you no i Showing my age here, but my first exposure to Fox was Fox Kids, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Absolute classic programmes on that, the Power Rangers and the Silver Surfer. But um, there you go, Digimon. God, um, you cannot diss Digimon, but like, that was a classic. I, I, me and Haley were talking about it before we came on air. I absolutely diss Digimon, but that's another story. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously you mentioned shows like Family Guy and Simpsons, and just to Dave's point about the news being baseless and a bit, you know, right wing based. Shows like The Simpsons and Family Guy and American Dad sometimes poke fun at that. Um, and in the age of social media, and especially in Trump's presidency, Fox News, not just in America but in the United Kingdom, has been a has been a focal point. Like in the news, you know, so much has been put out there. But on the sports side of things, it is absolutely massive. You know, people like yourself that watch the NFL. Mm -hmm. all know a lot of coverage when it's been beamed on Sky a lot of the stuff is Fox Sports Fox Sports presents this you know like you know, Fox Sports presents the flashback of the week and it's yeah. like the Broncos won the Super Bowl and shit like that um, you, can, you can tell you can tell I, I know a lot about American football <laughs> when baskets and home runs and all that uh, I bet it's, it's a massive company it's not not just obviously in America it's so big Worldwide, and that is obviously due to the fact it's part of the Murdoch Empire. 
I think for them to to get this deal with Fox and for, for SmackDown to be shown on Fox, it was quite big because we'll we'll talk about the launch show. It was October 4th, 2019, coming from the, the Staples Center in LA. Dave, this partnership, like we say, it's been treated massively. You know, WWE were, were big on the fact that this was launching. You know, it's probably one of the biggest deals in the company's history. As an outsider here, to me, it just seems like an RTV deal. You know, like, do you understand a little bit why they treated this SmackDown show a bit like a pay-per-view, didn't they, and they built it? Yeah, like, there was a lot of hype around, you know, trying to secure this massive, massive deal with Fox. As we know, as we've said in the States, you know, it's it's a worldwide empire, and for WWE programming to be featured on it is a massive step forward for them. And the evidence that they were backing it up so much, I mean, you just have to look at the the setup they had. It was a completely new stage it had new led boards but you still had the same energy with the with the crowd it was like um you know they were sort of past just having the plain old um you know led board screens with not much not much else to it and then they added that sort of hexagonal shaped stage just to give it a bit of personality Mm -hmm. and this was in 2019 obviously this was this would have been 20 years of SmackDown as well. So they were marking the occasion with something pretty massive. And that the hype was definitely there uh, going into this show. And given what happened on the show itself, it, it gives it more than enough reason to be talked about, some positive, some negative. Ross, they brought in some, some big names for this launch show as well. Um, you know, most notably The Rock. He kind of teamed up with Becky Lynch. I know you're a big fan of The Rocks. They slaughtered Baron Corbin in this one. You've got Lesnar as well, beating Kofi Kingston for the title in nine seconds before being confronted by Cain Velasquez. You know, that was good for one night, Cain Velasquez, but it kind of fizzled out straight after that one. Um, and Kevin Owens effectively sacking Shane McMahon by beating him in a ladder match. I remember being extremely excited for this. You know, they had the red carpet event before it. You know, it seemed like a different show. It seemed like something was changing in SmackDown at this time, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, for those that remember, I can remember that far back, you know, because it feels like about four years given the current climate of the world. Mm-hmm. They put so much effort into the show at the expense of Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell was two days later. You know, Brock Lesnar had not wrestled on TV since, I believe, 2004. Mm-hmm. And he, he was wrestling for the WWE title on, you know, might only be nine seconds. He still wrestled. He had the likes of Tyson Fury in the crowd confronted by Braun Strowman. Shane McMahon, you know, he was wrestling a bit more on free TV at that time with The Miz. But it was still an occasion to see Shane McMahon wrestling. And of course, you said The Rock and Becky Lynch possibly the most charismatic star of the company's history, teaming up with Becky Lynch, who was the biggest thing going at the time, to go up against your favourite wrestler, Ryan Baron Corbin. So I know you love covering the, this past year. Aye, brilliant, wasn't it? It's amazing. Dave, we, we touched there about Brock Lesnar coming back for this one. Russ, you said 2004, I think it was, was the last time he wrestled on, on TV and not uh, a kind of pay-per-view. Do you think that that gave this show as well that that little bit extra for them trying to kind of impress the Fox Network from day one. Yeah, no, no two ways about it. And you know, as, as Ross was sort of listing off the the list of people that were involved in this show, again, it highlights the extent you know to how much effort they wanted to put into this. You know, the names like The Rock 
Uh, special guest appearance from Tyson Fury as well. Like, when did you ever expect to see Tyson Fury on like WWE TV? But bringing Brock Lesnar in for the WWE title match, I think that was quite a smart decision, even if it meant you know getting out the getting out the checkbook for him. Because that's the thing we've discussed on this show before is that it doesn't matter where Brock Lesnar goes or how much involved in WWE programming is. If he's on the card, he's going to draw big big ratings in the same way that The Rock does even just by cutting promos. So I think having him in a title match for that opening Fox show, definitely a very, very smart move to play. But, you know, the fact it only lasted nine seconds, maybe it, some people are saying, you know, you know, it was a squash on the part of Kofi Kingston, but people would say it adds a bit more legitimacy to a, a sports-based show on Fox. So I think that's kind of what the executives were hoping for, something a bit more less sports entertaining in some way uh, but something with a bit more legitimacy because we've seen like ufc fights that last you know seconds minutes and stuff and they certainly did try to replicate that on this show with brock lesnar being a former mma and ufc fighter himself if you're wanting to try and kind of big up lesnar being on this i, I didn't have a problem with the nine second thing i felt a wee bit sorry for kofi personally because of the whole storyline that went beforehand and then this happened but See for a talking point when you're trying to promote a show on a brand new network. Internet was going mental after this because whether people agreed with it, whether people disagreed with it, it was a it was a stroke of genius to be fair having that that happen in that match. We talk about obviously Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez. It's ironic that former UFC champions played a role in this for the simple fact. The reason WWE got such a big deal was because this billion pound over ten year deal was offered to UFC originally and they went away to ESPN and got much more money. So, you know, there's times where we're thinking, leading up to it, like, God, SmackDown will need to do this for Fox, they'll need to do that. Fox well left with a gaping hole, you know, you can say one real fight and one sports entertainment, but at the same time, you know, boxing, MMA and wrestling to, to people in the media is seen as the one sort of demographic you know what I mean? So as it's basically it's like football, like it's Sky Football. It doesn't matter if it's the La Liga, it's the SPL, it's the English Premier League. We call it Sky Football. We'll put football on it, you know, and it's up to you if you watch it or not. But Fox did have a gaping hole, and that's where WWE did get such a big deal because UFC had left them in the left them in the dark. <laughs> but just to your point about the Kofi match, I was live tweeting this. I was very vocal with my displeasure at the time. Just for the simple fact, it's like, because oh. you, you do see all these, it's not the likes of Conor McGregor, it's the it's the nobodies, it's the, the jobbers in UFC that have got a, you know, one win, eight losses, six draws, and you're just like, see I don't want I No, but you wish you one, man. You know, so I'll come to WWE. Chris Bungard for Scotland. I'll come to WWE, Drew. Like, mate, you can't get in UFC, you're in Bellator, Poundland UFC. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, when it was the likes of Cain Velasquez, when I did look into him, it was like, wow, this is the guy that beat Brock Lesnar. There is a story here. And the story leading into uh, Super Showdown was a really interesting story. And it was quite interesting, the start of SmackDown on Fox. It's just, it kind of fell off a cliff around about the time anyway back to the wrestling started, unfortunately. Aye, sadly, aye. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, do you think they, and we'll not jump too far ahead, but just in your kind of, do you think they maybe peaked a little bit early? 
with this deal? Do you think they, they, they chucked it all into this launch show? And then what we know now, a year on, and we'll, we'll discuss it in a bit more detail, but just in general, talking about this show, do you think they've maybe chucked a little bit too much in to their initial show on Fox? Based on what happened for the remainder of 2019, I would say yes, because it's one of those moments where it's like they ran before they could walk. I think that's the best way I could describe it. And and the, the phrase, it's, no, uh, it's not a, a sprint, it's a marathon. But what they did was sprint at the start and they basically just ran out of steam after about a month or so. And obviously Super Showdown didn't really contribute much to that either because obviously with the arrival of Cain Velasquez getting involved with Brock Lesnar, you, th- you thought, okay, maybe this could be something worth watching. But yet when they deliver it on Super Showdown, it's a, it's a basically a 90, 90 second squash mm-hmm. with not much else to it. And then Cain Velasquez doesn't even appear anymore. So it's, they definitely invested a lot more than they got out of it. Uh, but I can see why they would want to do it. You know, they're, they want to get viewership up. They want to get star power up. They want a bit more legitimacy in the eyes of of their audience. But and I th- they did have good intentions and it started off well, but you can't maintain that, that amount of star power and that level of pace for, what was the, the contract deal? Like 10 years for... A billion dollars? Uh, t- 10 years, billion dollars. You said there as well about the, the the kind of viewer numbers for this one. It peaked, I think, around about 4 million viewers, which is almost kind of double what SmackDown gets just now on average. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether we agree with it or not, you know, for one week they did blow it right out of the park, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of kind of hyping the show up. See, the thing is there, though, like they had to. It was, it was They do this all the time where they... You know, it's like Raw Homecoming when they move, you know, back to TNT or when they move network. They need to get after a good start, a good relationship with the network so that when they do have these lean weeks or when they have these, you know, there was a while when me and Jack were reviewing Raw, you know, when SmackDown was in the shitter and Raw was actually quite good, that Raw would build their five, you know, five-week build and four weeks would be great and one would be utter, like, nothingness. It's like, it's gone too far. You need these big shows to, one, get people to watch, because as we said, boxing, MMA, and wrestling are seen as the same demographic. But to get these boxing and wrestling fans, or MMA fans in, you need to go all out. You need to be like, you know, if you tune in, you might get episodes like this from time to time. And, you know, the next week was the draft special, I believe, so, They did, for the first two weeks, they did do big specials. It is just a case of not every week's going to be like that, but then on the same point, not every pay-per-view is going to be WrestleMania. And we'd be annoyed if they didn't pull out all the stops for WrestleMania. So we'll kind of we'll kind of get away now from, you know, talking a bit in detail about what the, the effect of the, the network has on it, the kind of Fox thing. We'll talk more about the product that was delivered. Um, the months that followed this SmackDown for me fell victim to a lot of kind of mediocre, dragged out storylines. Now, we've been with them for a year, we've been with Fox for a year now, but really, until kind of shit hit the fan with COVID, they only had six proper months of this, you know, three of which were filled with my favourite storyline of all time, Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. <laughs> three, three months that they, they stretched this, this out for. Um, it felt as if they kind of lacked 
the kind of creativity for a while of of changing things up and making different matches and it hasn't been all bad though in terms of storylines you know to for every Roman Reigns Baron Corbin you've got you've got a Mandy and Otis storyline you've got a Sasha and Bailey build for example you know mm. I'll, I'll put the question to you both then so I'll go with you first Dave would you say the storylines of Smackdown have kind of been more positive or negative over the last year well that's hard to say because you brought up some really good ones but also some really bad ones I think the best way I could describe it is well for 2019 and the first part of 2020 it was rotten because all we saw pretty much every single week was some form of match between Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, and maybe with support from the Usos or other heel characters that were stuck in the mid-card. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode as well, always another example. But the storyline between Roman and Corbin kind of just really made me sour on the product because just when I thought, you know, they'd finished it with uh, the Royal Rumble Falls Count Anywhere match, which was actually a pretty half-decent match as well, they just had to... They kept doing it with Super Showdown that year when they made them do a, a pointless steel cage match as well. I and the, don't, don't even get me started on the whole dog food segment as well because that <laughs> don't get me started either. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was probably the bottom of the pile for the Fox era at this stage. I I think the the storyline quality wasn't there. I don't think uh, for the first bit. They kind of did Fox dirty, I think. Fox wanted um, characters like The Fiend, they wanted, but they also wanted like legitimate stars like Velasquez and Lesnar. And, you know, Velasquez getting injured is nobody's fault. But, you know, they did about a month and a bit with Lesnar and then moved them to Raw if you'd be Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And then they had the likes of Shayna Baszler. You know, this is when Bailey, you know, Bailey's a great character now. Now she's had, you know, the WrestleMania run, WrestleMania to now run. But there was a time there where she was just, she was so boring, she was so bland, and yet on NXT you had this legitimate former MMA, once ranked top 10 in the world, Shayna Baszler, running amok, you know what I mean? Like, they did kind of do them dirty. There wasn't really any storylines there, you know. There was like to the revival and the New Day, which was quite good. They they, uh, swapped the tag titles a few times, had a good few matches. But then they kind of just made the revival a joke. They, Reigns and Corbin had good matches at TLC and at um, Royal Rumble, but then they didn't know when to stop. And that, that was the problem. It was the fact that the guys in ring were good. The feuds for a bit were good, but then they just ran them too long or ran them into the ground. And then with The Fiend, he wasn't even The Fiend. You know, he's fighting The Miz dressed as Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. And he'll be cannon. Where's Neil Buchanan or Banksy as we call them nowadays um, and it's just they didn't know where to stop the storylines and Bruce Pritchard quite rightfully so came under a lot of criticism for his handling of storylines because as much as there was storylines like Mandy and Otis that were great they're not main event stories they're side stories you know what I mean mm-hmm. a show is only ever remembered on its main event and its main event stories and unfortunately so for the first bit of Smackdown and Fox it was a bit piss poor I think I didn't want to get bogged down with, with particulars, um, you know, kind of particular storylines that we had. It was more like a general point, but I feel like the the Reigns and, and Corbin one, I think they struggled for a wee while to come back from that because anything they done, and do you know what, mate? We still see it just now. You know, uh, Reigns is still, <laughs> to this day, kind of involved with Baron Corbin a little bit. Now, one thing that I thought 
on this was the the lack of depth in in their roster because they've not got enough legitimate stars to fill two separate shows. You know, it was different when you had them kind of going between shows. You know, it was a, the one roster and they were on Raw and SmackDown. But for me, although they've done stuff with Corbin and Reigns, I feel like they had nobody else that could actually kind of step in to, to take that story. So they kind of get stuck with Baron Corbin. And, and don't get me wrong, I said before that I'm, I'm not a Baron Corbin fan. I hated watching this um, for the, the three months that it was on. But it wasn't it wasn't against Baron Corbin as as a character, as a wrestler, because I thought he was actually quite good. You know, he was quite impressive and, you know, I, I could watch him in the ring, no bother. His matches were all right. It was just the stories dragged on a bit. Do you feel they maybe suffered a bit not having a bigger roster for taking on such a, a kind of big show, a big contract? Yeah, WWE has this habit of, you know, picking their top guys and just sort of running with them a bit. Like, and, you know, they've come under fire for years now that on Raw and SmackDown, they're not making new stars. They're always sticking with those uh, those reliable ones that will always draw in ratings. And, you know, I've said it before, you know, Ross mentioned Shayna Baszler, who was NXT Women's Champion at the time. Like, NXT's men, women's, and tag team rosters were head and shoulders above what Raw and SmackDown was producing. And I'm surprised they didn't give the Fox deal to NXT because they would have absolutely smashed it out of the park. But going on the dragging storylines, yeah, I think that diminished both Reigns and Corbin, like in the eyes of the, the audience, not from their in-ring abilities because they're both great athletes, but people were just sick of seeing the same thing over and over for months on end. It's, it's kind of like um, one of those kids' TV shows where it's like, you know, the Power Rangers go up against Rhea Repulsa and Goldar and surprise, surprise, the Power Rangers win week in, week out, and they'll be like, oh, I'll get you next time and stuff. That's well, that was. Roman Reigns was the one-man Power Ranger, and Corbin was Rita Repulsa with his big scepter. Is this you stealing my Fox Kids part of? Oh, you brought you brought Fox Kids up at the start. I figured we might as well. Uh, it reminded me of all the, the shows and stuff. It was the old sort of kids' TV format where it was like, the hero always beats the villain week in and week out. And But a, an audience that's into other sports such as MMA and the NFL, they want to see some proper competition. It doesn't have necessarily to be storytelling because you don't get that in legitimate sports. You just get there to those who who play to win. But in the eyes of sports entertainment, it is at the end of the day a bit, a bit like a soap opera. You need to tell a good story. But this just felt like, as the aforementioned, you know, it's the weekly show, the good guy versus the bad guy, good guy comes out on top, hooray, cake and coffee for everyone, that kind of thing. It's, um, it's got better, I would say, the the storylines, you know, that that was, what, a year, a year ago now, um, that that happened, the, the Reigns and Corbin stuff, and we've seen, Ross, I think you were talking earlier about the, when you were watching Raw, they could build storylines for maybe four or five mm -hmm. weeks, um, we've seen probably one of the better storylines just now, um, on SmackDown, actually there's two of them going just now. You've got Sasha and Bailey, which has been a, a great build for months now. Um, and you've also got the, the most recent one with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. Do you feel that they're kind of maybe finding their groove a little bit? Yes and no. Um, because yeah, there is that good storyline, but there's still so many people being like, underutilised. Especially like, you know, 
it seemed maybe it's just Shinsuke Nakamura's fault, you know, because <laughs> um, we only seen Shinsuke and Cesaro defend their titles on Clash of Champions because every title must be defended. But to that point, when the first roster came out, we were talking about lack of depth. Roman and Corbin taking up the majority of the show really hurt the Intercontinental title picture, I felt, and the tag team title picture, because just looking at this um, this roster of people that weren't really used, like the first month and a half or so of Fox, and maybe further on, you had the likes of The New Day, Daniel Bryan, Nakamura, Ali, The Miz, Shorty G, Elias, Braun Strowman wasn't oh, oh, used. Sorry, G, his name's Chad Gable. Do not insult that man. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just had to get that in there. Don't you type at me at that format to tone of voice. You had Braun Strowman, who was completely nothing until he had to what, fill in for WrestleMania. Revival, Apollo Crews, Drew Gulak, and Heath Slater, who's actually doing quite well in Impact at the minute. So there was a great roster there, they just didn't use them. And I think at the minute, there was a good roster there, they just they don't use them as good as the Intercontinental title triple threat ladder match was. They kind of ran that into the ground where, right, this week it's going to be Sammy versus AJ. It's Sammy versus Hardy. It's Hardy versus AJ. Now all three are going to fight in a normal match before you fight in a ladder match. It's just like, they don't do a good enough job, SmackDown, from the start to now, of separating the people that are going to be in feuds. You know, you see people fighting before the actual show. And I'm not saying like, people being jumped before or after matches, like, because that's a completely different thing. But I don't want to see, you know, a tag match where the people in the IC, the tag team and the WWE Championship picture or the Universal title picture right before the show, you know what I mean? Like, maybe do that five weeks before. Don't do a tag team match player. Don't do it before. And it's just, it's quite frustrating, I think, because it's, I feel it's one step forward, two steps back with SmackDown at times. Right, so February 27th, Super Showdown, we have returning Goldberg um, wanting one, one last shot at a title um, and he's going up against The Fiend, who's the, the champ at this time. Um, he beats him, right? <laughs> Goldberg wins this show. Is this another thing of WWE trying to kind of appease Fox by bringing in this big, massive name, Dave? You know, Goldberg did not need to be there. Goldberg is no reason for being back in WWE, let alone getting put in the title picture, let alone winning the title at this at this mm. show. Is that them kind of trying to appease him with another big name again? Uh, well, I don't really understand, fully understand the reason why they brought Goldberg back, but from what you've just described, I think it definitely screams the idea of either Fox executives wanting another big name on their show, but at the same time, you've also got the, the Super Showdown, the Saudi Sports Authority, you know, they'll throw any kind of money at whether it be uh, a former talent or a Hall of Famer to come out and perform one more match, even if it's the title match. And no doubt they'll probably have a say in the booking at the same time, which is probably why he ended up winning the thing in, in a match that lasted less than three minutes. But that is the force of habit when it comes to, you know, Fox News trying to act as the the place where you see the biggest names and the best action and stuff. But kind of like, you know, what they do with these uh, glorified house shows in the Middle East, it's they're using guys that are like almost about 
15, 20 years past their prime. And nobody wants to be living in the past all the time. You sort of want to, people want to see future stars being made. And as we mentioned earlier, the SmackDown roster and even the Raw roster was filled to the brim with talent. They could have easily, you know, found a way to determine a new challenger for The Fiend. But what does that say about how they would, how they viewed The Fiend as well? Somebody that they were clamoring for at the start of Fox uh, SmackDown to be featured as one of the, the key figures, only to then lose the title uh, to Goldberg, who just fancied another run for God knows what reason. It's almost like they really shot themselves in the foot with what was the most, like they had the best character going and they wanted to feature them as much as possible. So why have them lose the title and make them look like an idiot, literally six weeks before WrestleMania? It, it, it boggles the mind. Well, Ross, that's what I was saying before, you know, when me me and Ryan used to review SmackDown, as we said before, on a weekly basis, and we said, you know, the shining light of this show was The Fiend, because every single week, no matter what he'd done, even the builds with Goldberg, you know, he, he made them work, he was one of the best things going, he still is. It took him, I'm not going to say it took him a while to recover from this, but, you know, he obviously never got the, the belt back for a good few months after this as well. Um, it didn't make sense, did it, having Goldberg come in and take out the best thing that's happening in your show? I, I don't think that was anything to do with what SmackDown. I think it was just what Dave said. Sorry, Sports Authority want the big names for the past because WWE never used to go there. And WrestleMania season's coming up. So they wanted like the Spear versus Spear match, Roman versus Goldberg, which we ended up not getting. Hmm. Um, but can I just tell a wee, a wee funny anecdote about the night Goldberg won the title. Go for it. So, I was watching Super Showdown. It was, as most Saudi shows are, a bit shit. I got a text for Haley saying, we've got a buy a gift voucher that expires tonight. It's for cocktails and food. Do you want to come out? So I got quickly ready, headed out. I thought, I'll watch Super Showdown later on. I want to avoid spoilers. And this was the same night Celtic played Copenhagen in the Europa League. And I was avoiding spoilers just until Ryan Gallagher texted me going, I'm fucking raging Goldberg won. And I was fuming with you. I was absolutely fuming. I was getting ready to call you all the names under the sun. And then Copenhagen scored the winner and I just texted back, that's what you fucking get for spoiling that. <laughs> I remember that. And that was one of these days where I went from being very, very annoyed to furious. <laughs> it's kind of like, in your eyes, Ross, that's, would you say that's karma? I think the reason Celtic went out of the Europa League was not poor man management, it was Ryan Gallagher spoiling Goldberg the theme. Mate, I'm actually blaming Goldberg for Celtic getting put out of Europe. He ruined the Fiend, he ruined SmackDown and he ruined Celtic as well. Ruined the Europa League. Aye, fucking Goldberg, man. <laughs> um, so the second part of that then, so speaking about Saudi shows, obviously the one back in October as well. And this question's a, a little bit on the kind of versatility of of how they ran SmackDown at this point because the the show back in October was the one they struggled to get back from. Actually, they never get back on in time for SmackDown on, on the Friday. And the kind of show was chucked in a little bit of jeopardy. People weren't sure what was going to happen. You know, was it going to go ahead? Were they going to have to cancel it? You know, did they have maybe three or four people? You know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you've got NXT actually stepped up 
to to that show on the Friday, and it it worked quite well. Um, you would normally think that that was something they meant. We know fine well that it's something they didn't mean, um, but they handled that pretty well, and it actually turned out to be. And I've seen a lot of articles today talking about it. They've it's probably one of the better SmackDown shows there's been actually in the past year. And it was when also we had Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan main eventing it for the NXT title. Um, do you know how I never, I never had a breath there, Ross, to let him get in with his <laughs> big eye? I just can't. Guys, this is I, a guy. Absolutely well done. Uh, this is a guy who knows his stuff. He's, he's listened to podcasts with me plenty of times. <laughs> but we want one fall. We just fall because it's good for one fall. It's for the WWE title. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Dave, like I say, it's the probably one of the better shows that, that SmackDown have had um, in the past year, and it was almost like they had to think on their feet with it. You know, is that something that we can say was, you know, well done, well done SmackDown? It, would have, it wouldn't have worked on Raw? Or do you think that's just like a general shit was against shit had a fan and they had to deal with it? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I've also said this on past shows as well. It's like when WWE's backs are against the wall, they know how to pull off something pretty spectacular. Like, and I would say that this, this is probably my favourite SmackDown show uh, ever since the move to Fox. It's like, how do you make SmackDown on Fox better when it's been pretty naff for the first couple of weeks? Bring in NXT. Like, NXT, as I mentioned, also mentioned earlier, is I would regard it as head and shoulders above Raw and SmackDown at the minute because uh, I've just finished watching NXT TakeOver 31 and holy crap, that is that was one hell of a show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously there were some SmackDown guys on there because obviously Daniel Bryan has come out publicly and said that he's refused to work any Saudi shows given the the situation out there. Sami Zayn wasn't allowed to go either. So I don't know if he was featured on that show or not. But it really boosted NXT as the as the show to watch on on a SmackDown branded show. And this was the build leading towards Survivor series. So it's not that the fact that the SmackDown roster sort of made the, the show work. It was NXT that did all the heavy lifting for them, given, you know, they're in a tense situation with, you know, being delayed and from coming home from Saudi. But with whatever talent they had, they made sure that they had a, a proper, for lack of a better word, a takeover of that show. And it, again, it exemplifies the diversity of their talent pool, but they just don't know how to use them properly. But yet, with, when Triple H is doing it with NXT, he knows exactly how to make it work and it, it just if you had Fox covering NXT with that deal this is what you would get that was very much uh, Bruce Pritchard was stuck in Saudi Arabia and uh, Triple H says your dad will take it for here <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that was yet another show that I missed a bit of because it's just Ross's anecdote day today I'm just going to this is obviously October uh, my missus wasn't feeling very well I was trying to get her into her bed before, so I could go watch SmackDown and beat. Before she I, said no. Ah, uh, exactly. Get a, bit of, <laughs> get a bit of the Xbox played, watch a bit of SmackDown. And then I had the, can I have a cuddle? Oh, for fuck. Right, okay. <laughs> this is really about the, that magical time in the UK where we get Raw and SmackDown at 12 o'clock instead of 1 a.m. For two weeks, right. we get it. <laughs> that two weeks, that, that sweet spot. And I went, right, I'll give you a cuddle. I'll wait till you fall asleep. And I fell asleep. I fucking <laughs> And then I go into the group chat and there's the likes of Kwaku, Ryan Wilson, Yura, 
God, this is the best SmackDown ever. Tommaso Ciampa's fighting the Miz. Is that Shayna Baszler? And you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> My poor missus in the day with a, a wee runny nose, want a cuddle, I'm like, get fucking away from me. I don't want to speak to you. You've ruined my life here. You've <laughs> ruined my day, you've ruined my weekend. Um, Ross, do you think that's a... Do you think that's a negative thing on SmackDown that their best show of the year wasn't a SmackDown show, you know, it was effectively an NXT show. But also at the same time, do you think they maybe look at that and go, we've just put on a crack of their show here for Fox? I, I don't think they care as long as they're getting the social media traffic. And WWE basically, they have your money, you know what I mean? You pay $9.99 a month for the network, you'll take the pay-per-view we that, That's as simple as that. Um, WWE would have liked the fact that they got a lot of media attention and social media attention, sorry, and traction and people liked the show. But I don't think, I don't think it would have mattered, like, had they made it back or not, because, like, Survivor Series was coming up anyway. The next couple of Raw's, NXT and Smackdown's were the best I thought of 2019 because you had to tune in to everyone because you didn't know who was showing up. You didn't know if, you know, AJ Styles was going to show up with the club to take out the Undisputed Era. You didn't know if Bailey was going to show up to take out Shayna Baszler. You didn't know if NXT and Raw were showing up in SmackDown. So we would have had those sort of shows anyway, just not as uh, NXT heavy sort of show because there was obviously the SmackDown women for the, the reasons that are well known in Saudi Arabia weren't allowed to go except for the women's champion. Uh, the likes of Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, The Miz, for personal or private reasons, weren't there. So, you know, there still was a SmackDown presence. It was just a case of that we still would have got this type of show maybe just two or three weeks later down the, the line. You know what I mean? So it's also like the kind of takeover vibe that, that Dave was talking about. But Dave, was I the, was, Sorry, Ross, did, was... Um, the 2019 Super Showdown show, not the one where Natalia faced Lacey Evans. Yes, so like, no, no, I guess so. Bailey was there. Yeah, Bailey was there. Apologies. Oh, no, no, Bailey was over at the 2021. Where she yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying Bailey was in SmackDown. Apologies. Right. Okay. Because right, I know the likes of Sami Zayn get taken out by Keith Lee and Riddle. You get the likes of Miz fighting Champa, Daniel Bryan, as Ryan mentioned, for Adam Cole, baby. Where you can do it <laughs> and uh, enjoy it while it lasts yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it, it was a great show but I don't think Smackdown really cared that they delivered for Fox or anything I think it was just a case of we pulled a show out of our arse it went well move on to next week get me the money Aye. Another another example Dave of the kind of versatility that showed was when Covid hit and the, all the restrictions came in. SmackDown actually hosted the first non-fans show, um, and it was Triple H and Michael Cole that were kind of main people in this. Triple H played a winder in this show as well. Um, again, this isn't about the kind of partnership with Fox, just on how kind of they dealt with it on that SmackDown show. Like, what did you think of the way they handled that at first? Obviously, we see it now when you've got the kind of fans there, but this is back when it was like silent. You know, every promo was into a camera, you know, you're straight down, it was completely silent, there was no background noise or anything. You know, how did you kind of feel like they handled that on this show? It was really weird at first, because obviously, you know, we've never experienced like this uh, in our lifetimes, and I'm pretty sure 
like our parents or grandparents haven't experienced it either. But I think it just goes to show how creatively minded Triple H is when it comes to these scenarios, because I think he's taken a very, a very realistic approach to what's been quite a, a once in a blue moon situation. I think Vince McMahon, you know, probably would have tried to keep things going as much as he could. But when the government is basically saying to you, stay at home, only go to work if you're an, like a key worker. And, but fans and that must stay at home. They can't gather in big crowds and stuff. I think the immediate response to the, the restrictions from the pandemic where let's meet it with a little bit of lightheartedness. Let's, let's, let's give a, a, a reason for people to laugh. And Triple H's duo with Michael Cole on commentary, I think, was definitely a really, really good way to do it. Because a lot of the diehard fans, you know, the ones that tune into the indie promotions and NXT quite a lot, like I've I rarely see any of them say a bad word about Triple H's management of NXT. So I think knowing that they've got somebody on screen who takes a very realistic approach to what's going on, not just in WWE, but also in the outside world. It was a really, really nice breath of fresh air for what was already a, a troubling time for the whole world. Ross, Dave made a point earlier on about WWE when their backs are against the wall to come out swinging. You know, this seemed, we were all talking in a group chat at this point, I remember it, we, we weren't sure it was going to happen, we weren't sure if WWE was going to end up cancelling shows. You know, I, I think I made the point actually at the time going, they won't cancel the show, they'll keep it going if they can because they love this whole longest episode weekly television show patter so we knew they were always going to kind of pull something out of their hat do you think they worked quite well with this one i do yeah um this was the start of like the sort of empty arena stuff as you said they got around it a bit by <laughs> constantly showing old matches and then fox eventually did get on to them like i enough of that like mm. get some new shit on um but they did, they played a blinder, you know, they played the likes of old matches to hype up, you know, the likes of the John Cena return and the likes of Brock Lesnar return and blah, blah, blah. And then, as Dave said, you know, backs against the wall, they pulled it out their arse. Triple H was hilarious. He was only meant to do the first match. Mm-hmm. And then when he went backstage, the social media reaction was so good that they basically said, right, get your ass back out there. <laughs> it might have been Michael Cole with like a rotating series of guests. And they just went, nah, Triple H, nobody's going to talk that, get your ass out there. It was, <laughs> it was a bit when he came up with the camera as well, mind, he was sitting with the camera, just like right. filming Michael Cole, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, you know what that actually reminds me of? It was that um, storyline from 2011, where all the talent just walked out, and only a handful of people remained. Uh, like Triple H obviously being the, C- the on-screen CEO at the time, mm-hmm. and the only people remaining were John Cena, CM Punk, and Sheamus. So he had, uh, they had John Cena and Sheamus do a match. CM Punk was on commentary and Triple H was the role of uh, referee. It was like, it was like kind of like that scenario when you're got limited people in the building. You know, if you've got lemons, make the best damn lemonade you can. And that's exactly what they did, you know. And, you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, the, the social media response pretty much summed up. It was brilliant. Let's, let's have more of this. And this this is the kind of thing I think WWE needs to pull off when they're they're not allowed to, like fans in the arena or anything else that you know takes away the atmosphere 
of the live live show. Something as well, I think, with these empty arena shows, which SmackDown and WWE have done pretty well, is you know sometimes there's segments that start out a bit a bit shit and then they get good and then they turn out like oh by the way that was actually really good and with no crowd there you know they're not maybe forced into halfway through going like this isn't working they're turning on it they're not going to stick for it mm-hmm. certain wrestlemania promos you know you know we've been a many wrestling crowd where you know sometimes a guy shouting something that's quite funny other times it's like sharp i want to hear this yeah and like people throw them off you know the likes of edge's return his promos over on Raw were really good. The likes of John Cena basically letting Bray Wyatt know, I take you seriously. And the uncomfortable silence when he basically t- called him like, you know, an overrated brat. You know, stuff like that really hit home. So, th- again, just another example of WWE pulling something at their arse and actually making that a bit better. Is it, just, is it just me or do they seem to like uh, always produce their best content when they actually take real world situations into consideration and then they don't just live in their own wee bubble. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's strange as well, you know, we talk, and this is probably more of a, a WWE point in general, I find it really strange that they've still, to this day, never actually, like, alluded to what was happening in terms of COVID and what, they've never, it's almost as if everything that's happening is their choice, you know, they've, they've never spoke about outside kind of things, they've never spoke about the pandemic, never spoke about COVID, they've never even referenced why there's no crowd there. It all of a sudden just happened and then they said nothing about it. We all just mm. had to kind of work it. Obviously, we, everybody knew, but you just kind of had to work it out for yourself almost why why these things were happening. But like you say, the shows that they've actually put on, on the whole, I'd say I'd say they, they were decent. You know, even kind of in the COVID era, the shows were actually not bad. The things I didn't really quite like was the, the overproduced matches that you used to get um, at first when they maybe we'd stretch a match aye not not cinematic mate I I mean in terms of like matches on Smackdown you could sometimes tell very poor editing I know Ryan used to pick up on quite a lot you could pick up on very poor editing of matches together when they were kind of taping things Um, Mm. they they, Mm. kind of didn't get that right to begin with but I think once they eventually get past it um, you know the the, the shows themselves have been quite good but I'll kind of fast forward until until now, to kind of recent days, you know, we've got the the Thunderdome. The shows have taken on a different kind of dynamic. Just now, you've got LED boards. You've got some form of crowd there. Um, it's you know kind of real background noise, if you like, rather than just kind of artificial background noise. Um, some of the storylines that we've got just now, you know, I alluded to some earlier on, but we've currently got you know Reigns and Uso are involved in a, a kind of storyline. Bailey and Sasha, we mentioned earlier, um, the Fiend. Alexa Bliss, we've got Sami Zayn as uh, Intercontinental Champ now with the, this whole kind of feud with, with Jeff Hardy and, and AJ Like the shows recently, I've actually really enjoyed, and I think if I have to sit back and I'll, I'll get your opinions on on the kind of year as a whole now that we've we have spoke about it in a bit more detail. Like for me, I think they've turned a corner recently. I think the shows that they're producing. Um, and again, this isn't to be Fox, we're just talking about the kind of year that I've had since being on Fox. But for me, SmackDown, I think, is turning a corner a little bit just now. That might be down to the you know, the two feuds that you've got going on, you know, in terms of um, Ranger and Bailey and Sasha, or even The Fiend and Alexa Bliss as well, you know. 
I think they've turned a corner, Dave. What do you see, you know, kind of for the next year of SmackDown? Do you think they're going to thrive now, or do you think they've kind of shown you enough to think that they might just bottle it again? I actually think they've got us hooked until WrestleMania with these programs that we've got going on. Like, even as early as WrestleMania, you know, when it was reduced to, you know, being at the performance center with zero audience, the Bailey Sasha angle I could see coming, you know, at one time or another, this this feud's gonna blow up. So, and Bailey and Sasha are probably two of the reasons why SmackDown has been so good for the majority of this year. And you're right about it turning a corner, definitely. And I think that was helped in part due to the addition of the Thunderdome itself, because, you know, the Performance Center was getting a bit stale. And I think, you know, the ratings were reflecting, you know, the the decline in the, the quality of it. But as soon as they brought out the Thunderdome, I think that's when my attention peaked, because that LED board screen where the, the fans sign up to sort of go on like a, a Zoom call sort of format. It, it Obviously, it's not ideal, but you know what? It actually creates a little bit of atmosphere to, you know, a time where, you know, mass gatherings aren't allowed. But what I really like about the Thunderdome the most is they've actually brought back Pyro. And many of us, including our own Kwaku Ajay, have been literally begging WWE to bring Pyro back for years. So it was a, I think that was a nice little addition to say, oh, okay, look, things are a bit rubbish at the minute. This is our new concept. Let's create a little bit of atmosphere for our shows now and let's throw in a nice wee little extra. We'll give you uh, this uh, pyro turned up to 11 just as a sort of nice eye-catching display. And almost everybody, that almost all the key players now on the brand come out with, with pyro. It It's that little, it's just it was that little step up extra that really helped SmackDown on Fox worth watching now. Ross, what about you? How do you think it's going to go then for the, the next year? Do you think they've turned a corner as well? Or? Uh, I'm hoping so. I, I, I don't want to say no, like because you don't want to root for bad wrestling, you know what I mean? We still need to watch it when we cover it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just... I'm hopeful that certain storylines come to a natural end, you know, for, for every sort of... You know, we mentioned Mandy and Otis earlier. They've just kind of ended that, and the whole Otis the underdog storyline has just had the arse ripped right out of it. You know, you know, King Corbin struck again. He's had a million and one matches with Matt Riddle, and it's just the, the Lucha House Party as well. They've been splitting up for about eight weeks now. You know what I mean? Like, I you do it or don't. I don't care enough about it as a faction. Do you think they're falling into the trap again? Can you see that happening just now? The th- um, I think the only thing here is the, as I mentioned before, there was good undercard stories, but the main event ones were the ones that dragged. There's now good main event storylines, and it's the undercard that is a bit shit. So if that happens, you know, you can you can always skip the likes of a a Corbin versus Matt Riddle match on SmackDown, but you know you can't skip a main event of a pay per view. You know what I mean? So. If the main event draws viewers, though, isn't that all that really that matters? And I never thought I would say that I want to see Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso again, because... Yeah, no, no, absolutely no. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, they, they've not fallen into that trap of not finishing storylines properly. They are going, you know, the right way about it. It is just, there is still wee issues, wee, wee bits that need worked out. And I'm hoping that, you know, that... 
with more people, you know, at the start of the year, certainly at the COVID era, there was less superstars on the show because less people were allowed in. Certain people had to shield or chose to shield. Um, with people being allowed back in, now that sanctions are loosening a wee bit, it is, it is a lot easier to have a better show. That, that, that's my point there. I don't think they're falling at the trap, but there is still certain niggling issues that do need fixed. So boys, I'll go back to the question then that I posed at the start. Um, Dave, would you say Smackdown on Fox has been a partnership or a partnership? Um, I think for the first bit I would have said partnership, but with how they've responded to COVID and the quality of shows that they've produced for, you know, say around March time up until now, I actually think given how well Smackdown's responded to the situation, I would actually say partnership now. So, not a great start, but I think it's finally on the up. So I'll, I'll give it an optimistic response of, yeah, partnership. And Ross, what about you? Uh, I'll say partnership as well, because what saved it for me was Survivor Series, Roman Reigns' heel turn, and AJ Styles' Intercontinental Championship were open challenges. They have been shining lights. They are things that we'll remember. WWE's handling of the COVID situation, the introduction of the Thunderdome, and the Fiend and Alexa Bliss. You know, all positives here that do kind of outweigh. You know, okay, oh God, we've seen Corbin Roman. Like, you know, you're not going to you're not going to remember that in two years or so. Well, you might. It's buried in your brain. But you know, I, I'll never be able to unsee Roman Reigns getting doused in cheap dog food ever again. So, do you, do you or Ryan Wilson ever wake up your partners by just yelling "fuck off, Corbin" in the middle of the night? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no, off, Corbin. No, but I date when I'm going. I date when I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> just starting to fade like a fucking Baron Corbin, and she's like, "You okay?" I'm like, "No, I'm no, I'm no. I can't, I can't sleep." Um, I'll probably say these as well. I'd probably say partnership, probably for the same reasons. I, I think it has. It, it started off quite well the first few weeks then we went down a, a bit of a slippery slope with the, the kind of bad booking and, and lack of creativity it felt um, but they've kind of pulled it back and they've made some mistakes I think over the time but I mean who does they make mistakes but I think on the whole it looks to me like the kind of next year is going to be quite a decent one for Smackdown so I'll go I'll go partnership as well um, Boys, thank you very much for, for chatting to me about SmackDown. It's good to actually talk to somebody else rather than Ryan Wilson about SmackDown for a change. <laughs> um, remember, if you want to get us on social media, we're at Suplex Retweet on everything. Search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Subscribe to us on all good podcasting sites. Um, boys, I'll see you next week. So, Dave, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And Ross? Thank you. I've just actually realised something, Ryan. We've, we've praised and saying it could be good the next year going forward. We completely forgot the draft this coming Friday. That's a, good, that's a good point. They might make a total ass of it this Friday. So. <laughs> we might have all eyes to notice the main event. Here we go, lads. Hey, we'll, we'll, hold our, we'll hold our breath uh, until last of the draft. All right, exactly. All right. <laughs> right, boys, I'll see you later on. Yeah. See you later.